yes, thank you. Uh, speaking of birthdays, I understand little Heath Roberts had a recent birthday, and I understand he is here this morning somewhere, rumor has it. Is he here? Wake him up and show him to everybody. No, I'm just kidding. I, I'm just kidding. Well, welcome to Heath. Everybody clap really quietly and welcome Heath. Sleeping there nicely. Uh, well, we are, we're in what's supposed to be the fourth dimension of this series on vital signs. And we have gone through inhaling. We've talked about cardio aspects of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We've talked about exhaling and the giving away of life. And this is the fourth aspect. And it is, it is labeled infection. It is the vital sign that when you go to visit the doctor, one of the first things that he does is he take, takes your temperature. And he's trying to discover something when he takes your temperature. We're going to learn a little bit about what that is for us spiritually. But physically and spiritually, you could be at different points asking this same question. Why do I feel the way I do? Right? Um, physically, there are moments in your life where you just, you just don't feel yourself. You just don't feel healthy. You don't feel normal. Something doesn't feel right, etc. Spiritually, there's a dimension where we could, we could be sitting here today and we could say, you know, I just don't feel right. If something doesn't feel right about how I'm doing. But wouldn't it be nice if we could kind of strap on some instrument and just kind of sit down and listen to it for a moment and let it run a test on us and come back out and say something. Like when, you, when your doctor comes in and you sit down and you tell him, hey, I just, I just don't feel right. Something just doesn't feel right. And he runs some tests and then he spits back and he says, well, you have an infection or you have a virus or you have a bacteria. And Anybody love to hear that news, right? Anybody like, oh man, that's just what I was hoping to hear. So it's a virus, that's awesome. Uh, but somehow knowing is better than not knowing, isn't it? But some of us avoid doctors for that very reason. We don't want to hear them tell us that you've got something that needs to be dealt with in your life. And so today has the potential of feeling that way, of feeling like spiritually you're going to hear the doctor say you've got something that you have been hoping you didn't have or you don't want somebody to tell you that you have this. But it might answer the question of why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? It could be because you have an infection spiritually. Right, look at this thought from Health Day. What causes a fever? If you've ever if you have a fever, chances are you also have an unwelcome virus or bacteria. When your immune system detects an intruder, so hold on to that concept for me, an unwelcome intruder, if you will, it releases chemical messages that reset your internal thermostat. As your body fights the infection, we're going to look at that as well, your body temperature slowly rises, making life a little harder for the invading germ. Of course, your life will get a little harder too. But in the end, you'll likely be on the winning side. Usually there isn't much mystery to a fever. When you have the flu, for instance, you won't be surprised when your temperature rises. Occasionally, however, adults will develop a lingering fever with no obvious 
cause. Doctors call this a fever of unknown origin, or F-U-O. Many such fevers turn out to be hard-to-spot infections, such as infections of internal organs. Other possible causes include reactions to drugs or medications, cancer, especially lymphomas, or certain inflammatory conditions, such as rheumatoid arthritis and Stills disease. All right, when your body runs a fever, stuff is going on. Well, spiritually, there's a very similar condition that is in our relationship with God, our walk with God that feels like an infection. It feels like something has intruded in and it's changed the way normal life feels to us, right? So I'm actually going to use that quote right there as an outline today because I think it translates extremely well into the spiritual dimensions of our lives. So I want to look at these three things. The thought that there could be an unwelcome virus or bacteria or an intruder that you actually could have an intruder in you. I want to look at that thought. Secondly, I want to look at your body fighting infection. Part of being healthy is having a body that fights infection. And third, uh, your life is going to get a little harder when infection shows up for a number of reasons, but we'll look at all three of those dimensions. Let's start at this first one here. You may have an unwelcome virus, bacteria, an intruder, an infection, something from out there has made its way in here. Now, we've been taught pretty well, as a matter of fact, obnoxiously well, hyper well in, in our culture and our generation about infectious diseases and infections and viruses. You know, it used to be when you were a kid, most of us growing up, you ate the dirt, you touched everything, you put your hands in your mouth. You know, you just, that's just what you did. Today, you can't walk into a store without their, you know, the, the, the doors are armed with squirt gels for your hands and wipes and stuff. I mean, even in a manly place like Home Depot, for yeah. goodness sake. You know, they're expected to squirt on some little feminine cream and wipe your hands before you, you know, and on your way out after you've touched the skin. You know, it's like, just get the disease and deal with it, all right? Be a man up. But, and then there's, there's you know, serious stuff out there in the world. You know, if you're, if you're a Blue Bell ice cream fan, you know something about listeria. You didn't even know how to spell listeria until you started buying Blue Bell, and all of a sudden, I can, I can get a bacteria from just eating ice cream, and then E. coli, and Ebola. Remember the Ebola outbreak? Everybody caught everybody's attention, and you know, if you got on an airplane, you're kind of like, can I breathe the air in here? Everybody was afraid of catching Ebola, because some of these things are deadly, right? You could catch you could get some germ, and next thing you know, it's in you and uniquely interacting with you in a way that it becomes deadly. Well, okay, when I pick the Bible up, the Bible informs me that this world has in it a bacterial infection that is deadly. It's called sin. And we're going to study a little bit of the epidemiology of sin and, and hopefully make us a little bit more alert to the fact that we, we shouldn't be in this world just touching anything and everything. And we should be aware that we have vulnerabilities to catch certain things. And what I really want to help us, and please help me, tune in carefully to this dimension today. Because, you know, we're after, we're after health, 
Right? I, want, I want us to be able to preach these messages and for us to walk away into the coming year with a better sense of how can I be healthy in my spirituality and the way in which I'm walking out my life and serving God. So what I want to do today is, is, is I, I want to help each one of us find the way in which infection is going to find you personally, specifically. And so one of the things that you've got to do is not just listen for, okay, there's sin out there in the world. We need to be careful if we get near it and we touch it. Can I just say this? There's particular viral infections out there that you and your immune system are particularly vulnerable to that somebody else might not catch nearly as easily as you do. Right? And everybody know that physically? Right? I and mean, there's a few of you who could raise your hand and you say, I haven't been sick in 26 years, right? I haven't gotten the flu. And there's somebody that would raise their hand and say, every winter I get the flu. Or every few months I've got something, right? Your immune system and somebody else's immune system kind of operate differently. And so it is with sin. Sin is not going to touch everybody in this room exactly the same way. Certain things you and I are more vulnerable to than others. And so it, we would do well to learn that. And this verse is going to help us. James chapter 1, verse 13 through 15. I'm going to call this the epidemiology of sin. It's going to teach you how, how does this viral infection get to us and get in us. And then once it sets itself in motion, it's headed in one direction. It is seeking to kill you. That's where it wants to land. James chapter 1, verse 13. James says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Let's pray. Father, some of us are here this morning asking the question, why do I feel the way I do? We just don't feel sharp. We don't feel on top of our game. We feel a little unmotivated. Feel of our emotions are sitting on top of us. And we are not inspired. The way in which we would hope we sang songs today, Lord, that we know are supposed to launch us in some ways, but yet we feel lethargic. Like we lack energy for spiritual things. We've lacked appetite. Lord, if I'm here this morning... And I'm lacking appetite for you. Your word doesn't, doesn't reach into my soul and call out to me the way I think it should. Well, God, it may be that this morning you are wanting to diagnose for us. We have caught a virus. We have an infection. There's an intruder in us operating. And it's pulling us down. It's limiting us. It's taking from us vitality. So God, help us. Help us to see. God, give us ears by the Spirit to hear your voice. Lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, here's an interesting thing. This verse, this, this verse is the, the architecture of temptation. It's going to explain to you how temptation works. And quite honestly, if, if, if you know, being Christians, the wisest thing perhaps you and I could do is not begin a conversation about sin with sin once it's in us, but the wisest place for us to begin a conversation about sin is, is in the realm of temptation to sin. Because right? once I get past that, it's a little late in the game. Right? Temptation to sin is not sin. Temptation is sin presenting itself to me. Temptation is coming to me, knocking on the door. Temptation is the intruder seeking entrance. And so this, this verse is very helpful to help me understand. And what it lays out is that some moment for us, something out there, something out there is going to have this strange like magnetic pull on something in here. And that's what that verse is saying to us. Right? Temptation for it to be temptation, right? There's plenty of things that come into your life that don't even get a second glance from you. You realize that, right? On a daily basis, the, the person driving in the car behind you looked at that billboard differently than the way you did. For them, it was it called out to them. It captured something in them. Something wanted that. For you, you drove right past it, didn't even catch your attention. Something out there is going to find its moment to appeal to something in here. And that's the very nature of temptation. And this is the way this verse describes it. Look at verse 14. Each person is tempted. This is when you're tempted. When he is lured and enticed by his own desire. He is lured and enticed. Now, this might be the most South Louisiana Bayou section of the Bible right here. Lures and enticements, right? Because the lure, you know, guys know what a lure is, right? I say lure, you think fish, right? Fishing lure. And that next word is even more. In the Greek, that next word enticed actually means bait. So this is, this is South Louisiana. Everybody gets this, right? So if your sin and, you know, and temptation is fishing, you're going to bait people a certain way. So if you're going fishing this afternoon or you're taking some days this week to go fishing and you're going to go fish for speckled trout, you have a plan, right? You have a strategy because you know something about speckled trout. You know what they like. You know what's inside of them that you need to throw something in the water around them that appeals to them, right? How many of you guys are going to stop at McDonald's on your way down to Port Sulphur when you go fishing, that's where I used to fish out of, and pick up, you know, a big order of French fries and put them on the hook and cast them out there. I'm going trout fishing. I got French fries. Does that make any sense to you? All right, if you were fishing for teenagers, that would make sense. But if you're fishing for trout, doesn't make any sense, right? Because for you to actually engage that trout, for you to actually help it want to participate You've got to know what it wants. And it doesn't want French fries. And there are things in us that we want certain things. So temptation finds its way. It can throw its lure and its bait in front of you once it knows your appetite. What do you like to eat? Now it can throw something in front of you. And, and by the way, even though, you know, we're all fish, if you will, uh, we, we like to eat different things. 
Some of us like to eat certain things. There's, a, there's an appetite for certain things that are inside each one of us. That's not the same as everybody else, right? Let me just build on that thought for a second. John Owen, great Puritan writer, in his book, The Mortification of Sin, he says, It is to be feared that very many have little knowledge of the main enemy that they carry about them in their bosoms. Labor to be acquainted with the ways, the wiles, methods, advantages, and occasions of its success is the beginning of warfare. So do men deal with enemies. They inquire out their counsels and designs. They ponder their ends. They consider how and by what means they have formerly prevailed that they may get the start of them. Right? Most of us, you know, if we've lived long enough, there are certain patterns of sin that frequent us, that make up part of my storyline. I, I tend to struggle in the same areas. And you probably have that. You know, it's not like so all of a sudden you, you got sin way over here, and then two weeks later you got sin way over here, and then a month later a sin you've never even been tempted in before, and then two months later something new, and it's just always a new venture. Is that how your sin issue is? Or is it that you kind of get these ruts worn in your life where you tend to face some of the same issues over and over? You struggle and sins that you go too far in right? We've got those sins. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. You can go too far in some sins. And then there's sins that you don't go far enough in engaging, right? People don't go far enough. They, they tend to get away with their sin better. Right? If you don't go far enough in doing something, you didn't do something that you were supposed to do. That's different than the person who's always got a flag on the play. You know, the guy who doesn't block, he doesn't get a flag on the play. But if you hold, you get a flag. So if you go too far, into some area of sin, everybody around you notices it. But what happens when you don't go far enough? You know, you're just kind of lethargic and lazy, a little self-consumed. I just didn't get around to that. That's worse than violating somebody in our mind. But still, you've got your issues. There's ways and wiles. There's occasions of success that he says. Previously, this prevailed against me. Why was that? And how have you taken note of that? Because that thing's coming back, right? That enticement, that bait is going to be thrown in the water again. Because sin is always fishing. It's always tempting. And so whatever it was that you've struggled with in the past, common daily issues, they're going to be back, right? J.I. Packer writes an intro to the modern version of that book, and he says, today the need for self-scrutiny is insufficiently emphasized. In Scripture, much stress is laid on the deceitfulness of the fallen human heart and the danger of self-ignorance with the result that one thinks well of one's heart and life when God, the searcher of hearts, is displeased with both. We must watch and examine ourselves by scripture in order even to know what habits of our hearts need to be mortified. It's a, uh, it's a troubling thing as a pastor. It's a troubling thing for my own soul. When we come to know principles that are in this book 
But yet we, we don't come to know ourselves as we come to know these. You know, if we're in this game, right? I mean, the Holy Spirit's in us. That cardiopulmonary issue, there's an exchange with the Holy Spirit going on. There should be. If there's not, I'm not healthy. But sometimes I'm not healthy. And so I'm reading things, and, and I can point out your sin in a second. I can see how this principle applies to everybody on TV and to all the issues in our country, and yet I'm dodging it left and right. I, I'm not coming to know me. And, and let's be honest, I don't want to come to know me in some ways. The last thing in the world I, I get enjoyment out of is finding out there's something about me that's out of bounds, that's falling short, that's deficient, that's harming me or harming others. I don't like to discover that. Do you like to discover that kind of stuff? It feels horrible. But if you leave it alone, then you become like the, the person who just won't go to the doctor. It's like you've got this issue in you. It's affecting you on a daily basis. You've, you're in pain. And you just learn to manage your pain because you don't want to hear the doctor say, you have an infection. You have this. You've been diagnosed with this. But, you know, here the good thing about the medical profession is that when you get diagnosed with something, that's when you can take a step towards a cure, Right? I know it's, it's sort of bad news in some ways to have somebody tell you, you've got this. But, you know, those of you who have, have had a condition that you can't seem to figure out what it is, you just know you feel bad for months and months and years and years. It's almost good news when somebody says, you've got this. It's got a label on it. It's like, oh, well, okay, well, now there's a game plan. And there's a game plan for us when the Holy Spirit, who is doing his job in us as the heartbeat of our life, is interacting with us and he points out something. He puts a label on something. And he says, your, your infection is in this category, Keith. That's where, that's where your infection sits right there. Well, if, I'm, if I will welcome that, he will, he will go to work curing that in my life. So I don't want to avoid this. I, I want to have some peace to run towards it. Right? So know something about yourself. Let me, I think I put a little paragraph in there just for you to realize, okay, what, and these are general categories, but they're, they're big internal motivators, right? Let's suppose for a second, you by nature are a fearful person, right? You just, you're a person that there's a timidity, there's a fearfulness. Your outlook on life is, you, you know, you're, you're just waiting for the next thing to come up over the hill. You play defense a lot. You're just you're very concerned about what's coming at you next, the unpredictability of life, right? That's just, it's kind of who you are. Listen, that's not everybody in the room, by the way, but it is some. So if I'm fishing and I'm trying to catch a fearful trout, <laughs> I'm going to fish differently because if fear is in me operating and that's the infection I have, well, then I'm tempted by things like security and safety and predictability. Those things tempt me. I want that. I want all future threats of change to go away. So if there's an option out there, I'm shopping for the one that puts me at least at the least amount of risk in the future. Just want it to be predictable right here. That's, that's got to be the will of God for me. As a matter of fact, I think that's the will of God for everybody. I can't understand how you're living your life that way. You should be safe. 
and secure, nothing threatening you. And, and you know, give, depending on your personality, you might become very controlling. Fearful people often are controlling people. Why, why are you seeking to control everything? Because when everything's not secure and safe for me, I feel threatened. And so I go to work at all times, moving people into my safe circle. And so I'm, I'm, I'm manipulative and I'm controlling. Right? Do you understand? You might just come across as a person who says too much to the wrong people at the wrong time. But your illness is not that you say something at the wrong time in the wrong way. It's that you are motivated by fear to keep everything in a space that you deem as good. Right, so if I want to fish for you, I'm going to fish differently for you than I would fish for an ambitious person. Right, there are people here who you're not fearful. You're ambitious. You want stuff. You want to achieve. You want the feeling of success. You're willing to take risks. You're willing to step out and do things and let the wheels come off and let it crash because it gives you a chance, at least there's a chance, that I could be something, I could do something, there's an adventure in you. If I'm fishing for you, I'm not fishing with security and safety because you're not all that interested in security and safety. You don't stumble over that. You, you want to compete. You want an opportunity. You're just a different person. Or maybe you're a sensory person, right? You're, you're very sensual. You're given to appetites, and tastes, and things that you can see. You're drawn to stuff that's going to provide a sense of physical pleasure to you. So, right, this could be eating issues can become a sensory issue. Uh, pornography is a sensory issue. Sex addictions are sensory issues. I, I want a sense of pleasure to come to me. Laziness is a love of the pleasure of ease. I, I don't like to be exerting myself mentally, physically. I just, I like the way it feels when I get to just sort of take a nap, take it easy. Don't have this life that's pressure filled, right? All right, so if I'm fishing for that person, you understand, I'm using a little different bait, there's something that calls out to you if that's kind of the way you are. Maybe you're a people person, right? You just find yourself drawn to settings and you want to be around people because that creates something that feels a certain way for you. So there's all kinds of temptations for you to fall in with the wrong group. Well, but that group provides affirmation for me. That group rewards me. That group makes me feel valid. So let me just cast off all kinds of things and let me just throw my germ gel aside and go hang out people. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter what they're into. Let me just get around people because they make me, they, they energize me. They make me feel like I'm successful. I'm with the right crew that has an opinion in the right category. All right, do you understand? I'm, I'm just trying to take you inside yourself because we're not all the same. Right, some of those things you could have sat out, right? You, kinda, you could listen to some of those descriptions and say, nah that's, nah, that's not me. And you won't be tempted that way. Listen, parents, you know, it used to be years ago, I guess, you know, growing up 60s and 70s, you know, almost, it almost felt like if you just aimed at something with your children, you know, you come, come out of that area, it was just, I just want my kids to, you know, grow up, get a decent job, stay out of jail, not, not be strung out on drugs and, and be drunks. You know, just want to, I want to stay away from alcohol and drugs. And it's like, oh, 
we could all breathe a sigh of relief if we parented our kids and they managed to stay away from that. Do you, do you understand? I mean, I, I, I was a kid who ran towards alcohol and drugs as, as soon as I could and came from a family who unfortunately did the same. But do you understand not everybody runs toward that? Yet not every one of your children is like getting up in the morning trying to figure out how, hey, how can I... I'm going to steal some money from my parents and go talk some guy into buying a, a Miller Ponies. You guys remember Miller Ponies? There are some kids, that's not going to be their issue, right? When sin goes to float its temptation in front of them, that's not what he's fishing with. And so, that, you know, be aware of that. What, what, what your child might be much more interested in is, is a sense of, of the people dimension, of showmanship, of you know, being around people that applaud them, make a big deal out of them. Right? So you can feel this is an interesting strategy as a parent. Right? You become aware that hey, I wanna, just want my kids not to be doing drugs and alcohol while you're feeding them. Look, everybody applaud little Jimmy. Every, hey, can y'all all applaud my child? Hey, you applaud too. Everybody applaud. And you're not realizing... You're feeding him what he craves. He doesn't want a beer. He, he wants people, so he'll do whatever you want, mom and dad. He's the most compliant little boy you've ever seen because he loves your approval more than he loves that alcohol. Now, I didn't love my mom and dad's approval more than I loved marijuana. So I was willing to go out and give it a shot. And if they were disappointed, oh, oh well. But there are some kids who never do that. They'll never do that because they crave the approval of people too bad. So, so we're not all wired the same way. So when it comes to why do I feel the way I do? Why is there this infection in me? You, you need to know something about yourself to know how sin is enticed you, right? Because our definition for temptation from verse 14 each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by the sin? No, by his own desire. That sin out there is not the power source. The sin out there is the opportunity for the power source. The problem is in here. Something in me that will overlook that and that and that, but that right there, is going to own me every time it gets a chance. So if I want to be healthy, I might need to know a little bit about how that operates. And here's the epidemiology in verse 15. This is where this goes. So this is a be careful. This is worse than Ebola. Desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. It, it welcomes the intruder. And sin when it is fully grown, brings forth death. I challenge you to look in the Bible and find a different ending point for sin's ambition. It doesn't want to bring you somewhere else. It doesn't have an ulterior destination. It wants to bring you to a point of death. So, all right, back to our little quote here. Second thing, that's our... Knowing ourselves, knowing this viral intruder that is out there and how it interacts with us. Secondly, a little quote said, as your body fights the infection. Um, physically, if you are a healthy person, your body fights infection. It does. And if it doesn't, 
you're, you're not healthy, right? If your immune system goes down, you're in serious trouble, right? So your body is designed to fight infection physically. Spiritually, we are designed by God to fight infection. So if there is an intruder coming seeking to gain access into our lives, God has made us to fight that infection, right? Write this out in your outline. It says a healthy Christian, as with a healthy body, fights infection. If you are a healthy Christian, then you are engaged in the fight, You are not allowing sin to go unchecked or unrepented of. You are experiencing some normal progression into greater liberty. If this is not your case, then you need to see a spiritual doctor. If your immune system is down, boy, you are vulnerable to everything, aren't you? There's no fight in you. Spiritually, there's a fight in us. Here's where that fight comes from. Look to Galatians chapter 5 with me just for a moment. Here's why there is a fight in us. When we came to life, we said the very source of our life is the Holy Spirit comes to us and brings life to us. It's his breath, his animation. We are born again of the seed of God. So the Spirit of God is in us. So there's life in us. Everybody look at Galatians chapter 5 with me. I don't think this is up on your board, so you actually have to bust out something that's got this printed on it. A device or a Bible. Listen to this fight that's normal. Chapter 5, verse 16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do, right? So there is an internal battle inside of us, right? The same way that when an infection comes, your immune system kicks in and it takes off sending all kinds of antibodies and white blood cells. It knows there's an intruder here. You don't don't match our DNA and we're coming after you. Well, thank God that the Holy Spirit is playing that role in our lives, like when there's an intruder, the Holy Spirit comes after that intruder. You know, very first sign is conviction. This is why you, you don't want to run from conviction, right? Conviction is the Holy Spirit telling you a true intruder alert. There's an intruder that something has come in. There's an infection that's come in. It's not from us and it's not good. And let's, let's go to work against this. This is why you, we've got to be responsive to the Holy Spirit, We need a personal connection and awareness that the Holy Spirit speaks to us, prompts us. Something begins to intrude and the Holy Spirit says, ah, no, don't, stop. Hey, you see this right here? Don't do that. And maybe I don't understand too much else. I just know the Holy Spirit is telling me something in that moment. I need to respond to that because it's the moment in which the Spirit of God is coming against that which wants to take over and bring me to a place of death. So the Holy Spirit quickly alerts us. Look at verse 18. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, right? Here's here's what you get when you shop around these intruders at work in our flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, 
fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So there is this war. This is normal. Inside of you on a daily basis, the immune system of your spiritual life is going to war in these moments. So an intruder comes, the spirit rises up against that intruder, bringing the fruit of the spirit to displace the deeds of the flesh. But look at these other two passages that I've included here. And this is the common language of the New Testament. Because remember I talked about a couple of weeks ago, this spiritual health has got a mystery element to it. It's got a dimension in which God is mysteriously at work in ways that we don't even understand sometimes. We may not even acknowledge them or even know much about them. God is at work in us. And yet, it is appropriate for us to say we have a role to play in our own spiritual health. So somehow, these two things belong together And it's okay if you conclude mysteriously, I don't quite understand what's the mixture. As long as you know both ingredients are called for. So one should never displace the other. I should never have this sense that, well, you know, immune system. Yeah, yeah, God's at work. God's at work, whatever. So an intruder comes and I just kind of say, yeah, God will take care of that. He's at work. And that sounds like trust, but it doesn't sound like part of the other parts of the Bible. So I I need to be in faith that God is at work because my only hope to overcome any of these things is that God is at work. But yet I'm also called to take some responsibility here, right? Even in that passage, you could say that. But Colossians chapter three, verse five, here's a command from Paul in these same categories of life. He says, put to death. Who's he telling that to? The Holy Spirit? He's telling it to us. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And here's the list that looks just like that other list. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So on the one hand, that list in Galatians 5 was being attacked by the spirit that opposes these things. So God in us, by the Holy Spirit, is coming to life when these intruders come on the scene. So you're out there in the Home Depots of the world and you forgot to use your gel, you touched the wrong thing, and an intruder got a foothold, power drill or something. Let's just keep it simple. Got a foothold, covetousness, right? You're coveting a power drill in Home Depot right now. And this is gaining access to your heart, stirring up a sense of discontent with the power tools that you have, desperate longing 
You begin to fantasize about you and that power tool. Music begins to play in the background. You take it home. It's, it's cordless. You pop in the battery. Just, you're fantasizing, right? You're making a thoughts. You, know, you understand. <laughs> and in that moment, the Holy Spirit is at work. He is at work. He's, he's not in a cage. He's not waiting for you to let him out. He is at work. He is going to war with the desires and deeds of the flesh. But that's not the only part of the immune system here, is it? Because we're told to do something as well. So we're told to put something to death. So I've got these cravings that have been awakened in my heart and fantasies and thoughts, and I'm told to do something with that. I'm told to put that to death. I'm told to stop giving life to that thing, stop making room for it, stop keeping it alive by continuing the fantasy and continuing the thoughts and turning my attention to all the reward that that thing can bring to me. If I'll just cooperate with it and bring it home and let it have a place in my life, it's going to reward me. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so much better than now, what I've got now. Because what I've got now, you know that stinks. But man, if I just had this, all right, so what am I doing in that moment? I'm not putting that to death. I'm feeding it. I'm, I'm keeping it alive in me. And the Holy Spirit's trying to eradicate that thing, but I'm, I'm developing a love affair with it. So I'm at odds now with the Holy Spirit in this work. And I'm, I'm going to start getting worn out by that, right? That friction, that lack of cooperation might be part of answering the question that we started with. Why? Why do I feel the way I do? Why do I just not feel like I've got appetite and energy and desire from God? And, uh, well, it, it may be that you and your immune system aren't on the same page. You want to keep seeking after something and feeding something that the Spirit of God is saying no to. And these are commands, right? First Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain Stop it. Don't go there. Don't feed this to yourself from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. This is a war. Those intruders are coming with promises. They're bait. They're bait. They come looking like a french fry. When I was a kid, I always had this image because we fished a lot growing up. I always thought, what would it be like to be a fish? And I thought, well, it'd be like going to McDonald's, right? And you show up and you buy a Big Mac and you go sit down at the table and you take it out of the box and you bite into it. And next thing you know, there's a hook goes in the top of your mouth. You get sucked out of the roof of the restaurant. <laughs> I thought, well, that's what it's like to be a fish. Here you just thought, I was just having a meal, man. Just a Big Mac. Had no idea. Okay, well, that's what that word means. It looks like something that it's not. It's bait with a hook hidden inside of it. And it's seeking to catch me. And I've got some decisions to make in this. I strangely participate in the immune system with my decisions and my agreement. And so that's, that's in the Bible all right, so I think I'll put your outline there. Our spiritual immune system is a volitional part of us. Paul and Peter command and urge our involvement and decision-making. 
So it is right for us to set our hope mysteriously in God and what God will do and what God alone can do because there is no such thing as you and I ever in and of ourselves overcoming and defeating sin, no such thing. So our hope is not that I'm gonna defeat sin. My hope is in the spirit of God who comes to life against those things. But mysteriously, I'm called to make some decisions. And I, you know, I don't want to distort what the Bible says. It's, it, you know, I don't find too many people genuinely can make this defense, but you know, the idea while sin is just gaining ground and it's growing and this, this bacteria is taking over more and more of life that somebody sits back and says, well, you know, I'm just, I've just been waiting for God to do something. I, that's not true. I, as I'm saying that, I'm thinking of bad things that have been said to me through the years. You know, somebody, somebody who's practicing sexual immorality and then their, their, their defense is, well, I'm just, I'm just waiting for God to do something. It's like you're waiting for God to do something. What, what you want him to strike you dead with lightning? What are you waiting for him to do? How about you just agree with God that sexual immorality is wrong and you stop it? How about God's waiting for you to do something? How about that? But we're not called to this unengaged, God's going to do it thing. But remember, this is the mystery of this. If you put all your hope in you're going to do it, I got this thing. I'm so serious this time, this thing is going down. Why? Because you're so serious this time? How many of y'all started January, right, already in February? You're not so serious anymore, are you? All right, so my hope can never be in what I'm going to bring to the table here. But I still have decisions to make, and I still need to be in agreement with God. Right, one last little note on that thought. When a person's immune system is suppressed, they are vulnerable to all kinds of infections and intruders. And our, our immune system is healthy when, it, when, when faith is healthy in us. Right? Faith makes me to come into agreement with God. Faith makes me aware of what God has done and who he's promised to be to me. So when faith is diminished and sin comes and with its bait and lures me and I don't have something by faith that I'm anchored in, I'm not going to fight that thing well. All right, so this is where health in a general sense needs to be understood because I need faith the moment that that intruder comes. Where do I get faith from? Inhaling. Right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I've got to be taking in faith. I've got to be taking in the knowledge of God and who he is. Right? Most of you guys, if you've come to visit one of us as pastors, I know Peter does an excellent job with this. You come in with this area of your life. The wheels are all coming off of it. It's all busted up over here. Sin is gaining and intruding. And he starts asking questions about an area that you don't, you don't get the connection. He starts asking questions about your inhaling. He starts asking questions about, you know, so what's your Bible reading looking like? And what is your prayer time like? What's your time like with God? Because this is gaining ground because this is being done poorly. All right, so you and I don't fight spiritual warfare by reading cool spiritual warfare books and learning some chants and momentary things to say in that moment. We fight spiritual warfare when we breathe in the knowledge of God on a regular basis and it renews our minds and it transfers our hope out of this world. 
And it gives us a God who is so worth serving that we love with all of our hearts, that we are motivated, that if something comes along that's going to pull down the glory of God, something in me says, I don't want anything to do with that. I want to be about that which brings glory and honor to the God I love the most. Well, why would you love this God that way? Well, because I know something about him. He is so loving and lovable. So if this is falling apart, you're going to lose on this end because faith isn't in a place to help you fight in that day. And guys, this life is a fight. Point number three from our clever quote is that your life will get a little harder too. Part of a fact of life, I wish I could give you a different version of this, but part of a fact of life is that life is a fight. I know protesting is in. You ever seen this in the news, protesting is in? If there was ever a protest, you know, I'm, I'm chronically standing outside the gates of heaven with a sign protesting that life is hard. I'm back and forth, back and forth, because I am just bent on why, why has this got to be hard? God, this is hard. God, can you take hard and get rid of it? And it's like if I read my Bible carefully, I do find out that one day hard goes away. But not today. <laughs> today is a fight. And so we are in this life fighting and fighting takes energy it just does it takes intentionality it takes exercising belief it takes confronting enemies that are thoughts and ideas that raise themselves up against the knowledge of god so if i you know if i love things being easy i'm not going to love fighting and so i need to know that about myself i would rather things be easy than me just get some thrilling sense of strapping on a sword and going to war. That's going to be a temptation. But let me, let me highlight this, because this was an interesting little aspect of that quote. Life is a fight, but there's also a sense that if we let some undiagnosed intruder stay, some infection stay in us, it will slowly drain us like a low-grade fever. It just lives and takes the edge off of us over time. It may not be acute and loud, but it is just a presence that does something to us spiritually that makes us feel worn out. And then you try to just go do life. Hey, God's called you to do this. God's called you to love somebody. I don't feel like I've got the energy to do that. Everything becomes more difficult. Everything is less attractive. Everything feels like it's extraordinary effort to do that. And, you know, it might be that some of that difficulty is coming from this low-grade fever that's operating in us. I'll put in your outline, over time, we may develop the habit of thinking that our difficulties are coming from other people or some external circumstances when they are truly coming from indwelling Sin. Listen, this is, we can be, this is why there's the medical profession, people who know something about how our bodies actually operate. Well, spiritually, um, 
it's just very tempting that when all of a sudden life starts feeling hard and unwieldy and wearing us out, it's, it's very easy just for us to pick up our eyes and look around and say, okay, who's, who's messing my life up right now? Is it you? You? I know it's you. Uh, you you're always messing my life up. And then circumstances, you know, somebody over there did something wrong. The wave of that finally has washed up into my life and the economy's gone bad. And, and we start thinking all this difficulty, life feels difficult and hard because everybody else and everything else has got something wrong with it. And it might be that in us is this, this fever of unknown origin. This unchecked infection that just is traveling with us through our lives and mysteriously it's making everything hard. Paul Tripp in his book Instruments in the Redeemer's Hand says, why do people do the things they do? (laughs) That's a good head scratcher, huh? Why did your friend get upset in the middle of the conversation? Why is your teenager so angry? Why is Amy swallowed up by depression and despair? Why would a man risk his family for 20 minutes of sexual pleasure? Why is that once romantic couple now engaged in guerrilla warfare? Why is Bill so driven in his career? Why is Sue so critical and controlling? Why does George speak so bluntly and unkindly? Why is your daughter afraid of what her friends will think? Why does Pete refuse to talk? Hey, Pete, why do you refuse to talk? Where is he? Why do people do the things they do? The simplest, most biblical answer is the heart. Right? More specifically, James chapter 1, verse 14. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Why do people do what they do? Because they want to. Why do they want to? Could be fear, could be ambition, could be insecurity, could be jealousy, could be all kinds of issues that come into our hearts like intruders and become the motivating factors for our lives. And next thing you know, that's what we're doing and this is the life that we're creating out of those settings. And all of a sudden, life is difficult, right? I mean, you, you got conflicts or you're a teenager who's got issues and trying to please people, trying to fit in. And somebody said you wore the wrong shoes and they made fun of you. And now you feel like an outcast. And all of a sudden, life just feels weighty and unrewarding and difficult. Or you've got jealousies that exist in your heart. And every time you walk into a room that's got the wrong set of people in it, you compare and, and this jealousy goes off in your heart all of a sudden, being in that room is about 10 times as hard as it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be easy. You just walk in and you be you. That's all you got to be is you. You don't have to worry about being anybody else. You don't have to impress anybody. You don't have to fit in for anybody. You just got to be you. Child of God, born by the Spirit, obeying whatever the Father has for you. And suppose he's made you really great at this over here and really average at this over here and nobody even notices you doing this over here. No matter how much you put it on Facebook, they still don't notice you do it. <laughs> but if you've got a, an intruder in your heart, the fact that you don't notice my post drives me nuts. 
Or if I come into a room and I compare myself with others, now just being in the room with people becomes so much harder than it's supposed to be. Why is that happening? Why does life feel the way it feels? Why is it so hard? Right, and then, then you get your spouse that you're chained to who wants to drag you into that setting where all you do is freak out about it. It's like, all right, well, now you got conflict with him or her, don't you? Now you think you got marriage problems. Oh, our marriage. You always want to do what I don't want to do, and I always want to do it. There's this big blow up between you. Hey, hey, deep down inside, you can't stand to get in this setting because of an intruder that's made you insecure because you compare yourself with others. This is not about who you're married to. It's about the intruder that you let in that owns you. And it tells you where you will and won't go. And when it lured you the first time it cast its bait in front of you before you bit that Big Mac and it took you through the roof, it wasn't quite as deep in you then. Now it's like it's part of the paint. It just feels like that's normal. That's not normal. And the people around you don't think it's normal, by the way. It feels normal. It's not normal. All right, where did all this stuff come from? What, how did this find its way to make us so unhealthy? Well, this is the nature of temptation. Something out there is going to appeal to something in here. So whatever that is, do you know what that is in you? Do you know how it operates? Do you know what bait the enemy will use in your life? To be healthy, you and I play a bit of a role in this. Eric, you can come back up here. Look at this last thought. I think it's a quote. I don't think it's in your outline there. Sinclair Ferguson describes our going to war against these sins that find their way intruding into our lives, these temptations. And he says, mortification is not the eradication of sin, no Christian ever comes to the place in this life where he has so completely destroyed and dwelling sin that it no longer exists. For such a deliverance, we must wait, and that day is coming. <laughs> Nor is putting sin to death the same thing as diverting it. Sometimes when men grow older, the external circumstances and pattern of their lives may change to such an extent that the old sins no longer trouble them. Nor does it mean to divert our sinful habits into another, more socially acceptable form of sin. Nor is it simply a quiet and peaceful temperament. What then is this killing of sin? It is the constant battle against sin, which we fight daily. The refusal to allow the eye to wander. The mind to contemplate the affections, to run after anything which will draw us from Christ. It is the deliberate rejection of any sinful thought, suggestion, desire, aspiration, deed, circumstance, or provocation at the moment we become conscious of its existence. It is the consistent endeavor to do all in our powers to weaken the grip which sin has. And guys, this, this is what a healthy Christian 
does. If you are healthy, you know something of the battle, of the fight, of the war. You know something of identifying the intruder and cooperating with God and going to war against that. If that's not familiar to you, then you are not healthy. The only place where you don't need to be doing this is if you're dead. And I'm assuming that you're not dead this morning. You're here. You're not in heaven. So there is a battle. And there is a need for us to face these intruders. So let's do this. Let's, here, I ask you to carefully listen. And hopefully you've done your homework and you, and you are aware at this moment of when the bait lands in the water near you, what is it inside of you that it's trying to hook? Trying to hook fear? Trying to hook ambitions? Trying to hook pride? Insecurity? What's it trying to hook in you? Not in someone else, but in you. Let's stand up together. Lord, you are perfect in all that you do, all your timing, all of your ways. So, Lord, I I don't think you ponder questions. It's hard for me to imagine, Lord, as you sent your son to break down the barrier, the dividing wall, between us and you to restore life to us. Life was missing and you were going to restore it. You were going to give us your life. And we would begin down a path of transformation that would one day land us in glory with new bodies. But in this world, Lord, we would fight. We would still face Tribulation, temptation would still be on the scene. Lord, I wonder as you gaze at our lives, it doesn't feel like you had something greater in mind than what we've been experiencing. God, I wonder if your voice sounds like I wanted more for you than that. And Lord, if we're here this morning and we feel like I just don't feel right, just don't feel spiritually right, God, would you help us right now? Lord, is there is there an infection? some point in our lives did we pick up some virus we touched some idea and it made sense to us and we welcomed it and it's begun to shape us or maybe it has for many years 
we hear the voice of jealousies or insecurities. We hear the intruder inside of us calling out for ambitions and achievements and the applause or affirmation of others. We crave, we have a desire in us. Points begins to rule us. We are some of the most unhappy people because what we crave, we're not getting. God, would you help us? Spirit of God, help us. Because I believe you want more for us than what we are experiencing sometimes. And I'm thankful that you do. God, I'm thankful that you don't want to leave my life within arm's reach of security and safety being the intruder that owns what we do or what I do or don't do. So Father, this morning, would you, will you help us identify where is infection present in us? What category is it sitting in for us? I'm going to pray for two different sets of people. One set has these infection elements and they're unrepented of. You have not addressed them. You haven't brought them into agreement with God. You haven't broken ties with them. And then there's another set where you have done that, but this continues to be a struggle a sluggish area, a difficulty. So Father, I pray first for those who are here this morning where there is unrepentant sin present. You have brought conviction, but there has not been confession and there has not been repentance and there's been no putting to death. And this morning, Lord, you, by your mercy, visit that area again, and you call in your mercy for repentance. So if you're here this morning and, and there is an area in your life, it's a source of difficulty, it's an area you know it's sin, and you have not repented of it. Well, the first thing God calls you to do is confess that sin to him, acknowledge. Even right now, tell him, God, I do acknowledge. That's, that's wrong. It's sin, and it is in my life. God, I, I own that. It's true. Now the faith that is in you wants you to agree with God, wants you to believe him, wants you to be done with this because... There's something better. I want you to exchange the promise of that intruder for the promise of the living God who promises you life abundantly if you'll follow him, if you'll trust him, if you let him take you into his pastures, if you let him bring you into his promised land. And right now there's an argument going on in your soul because part of you says, but I want a different land. I want to live in a different land than I think God has for me. And that's your war. And it will not cease until you give up 
in other land and take God's. Believe him, trust him. Repent from any other ideas and say, God, I want what you want for my life. I want to dwell where you want me to dwell. I want to receive what you have for me to receive. So God, I pray for grace for repentance this morning. Hearts turning to you. Turning from intruders. Treating intruders like they're intruders. Taking up weapons against them. No longer welcoming them as friends, but treating them with hostility. God, I pray for those here this morning who life has felt sluggish. It's a struggle, perhaps a fever of unknown origin, a low-grade fever has been at work in an area in life that continues to be an area of struggle and difficulty. God, we are reminded this morning your spirit is at war with that. You are on the field with divine weapons to bring to pass the fruit of the Spirit in the place of the deeds of the flesh. So God, push aside these other feelings and other reasons and other rewards. And God, bring on the scene, Spirit of God, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Spirit of God, go on to the battlefield in these areas. Every person who's here feeling worn out, feeling tired, God, would you take the field in even a greater way? And God, would you energize each of us to get in agreement with you, to do what you've commanded us to do, to bring these thoughts in line with yours, to stop things that you have commanded us to stop to no longer be partners with these intruders. They're intruders. They don't belong here. God, we want to we be healthy, Lord. We don't want to be dragging our way through our Christian lives, Lord. We want to be healthy, vibrant, energized by your Spirit, expressing the life that you've given us. So, Father, today, move amongst the things that infect our lives and intrude. Drive out these low-grade fevers that run in the background that have been around for too long. God, bring fresh health into our hearts and our lives as we live for you, delight in you, and receive grace from you. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a healthy week.